And for those of you who don't know, uh, Linda is in many ways responsible that Redeeming Love is here because her brother, Chris, is the founding pastor of Redeeming Love. And uh, Chris tells me the story. He told me the story, and I, this isn't, this isn't uh, any private thing, but while he was chasing after a secular musical career, right. <laughs> Linda was at home praying for him. And while he was uh, 1,200, 1,500 miles away in the state of Florida, Christians kept coming up to Chris and kept mm -hmm. witnessing to him and kept asking him, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? And they're like, and so Chris calls Linda. He told me this story. Chris calls Linda and, and his mom and his dad, and he says, do you guys have plants down here in Florida? Like, who are these people that keep coming up to me? <laughs> how do they know that? How, how, do, who, how do you know me? It was, the, it was the prayer. It was the prayer. That, come on. This is the power of prayer. And so long history. Uh, Chris started Redeeming Love. Linda's here, and we love that she's here. And, man, what a praying weapon we have. What a, what a, what a general of intercession that we have. We don't take prayer lightly or for granted. And I just want to uh, say thank you, Linda, for all of the prayers throughout the years. And thank you for continuing to pray uh, even today. Amen. Amen. Have your way. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Um, appreciate Pastor Matt's messages, Pastor Tom, your message. Oh, my goodness. We went home, and the message was playing in the house because my husband had to hear that message again. And so I appreciate what, um, what is being done here. I feel like the Lord is speaking to us as a church. I do believe he's got more for us. And um, I just want to share a dream that I had three weeks ago, very short. And, um, and Pastor Matt, when you were speaking this morning, I'm unusually hunger, hungry. That's kind of what I saw in my dream. And the alarm went off at 5 o'clock, and I'm supposed to be getting up to pray, and I attempted to, and I fell back to sleep. And... Um, felt bad that I did, but I had this amazing dream. God had mercy on me. And this dream was that I came in here on a Wednesday morning. I just want to say on a Wednesday morning, it's, it's kind of unique what God does. It's, it's, it is a prayer meeting, but there's six different churches represented, and we kind of make the seventh church here. And so the seven churches are coming together, amen, getting on fire. And, it, and, and three of them are prayer leaders of their own prayer meetings. And they ask if they can come. And my God, of course you can come. And um, so it's unique that there's a, it's like a sign of unity. God's bringing, he's doing a gathering. So in my dream, I walk in here on a Wednesday morning. And I'm always the first one to set it up. But this was different. I, I know it's a dream. Um, the place was filled. The place was filled. I mean, they were around the walls. They were on the floor. They were everywhere. And I'm saying to myself, oh my God, what do I say? What do I say? What's going on? And I sit down, 
and and I got to tell you, these these faces were um, some of them hopeless. I knew a lot of them weren't saved. Some of them had never been in a church before. I could tell they had never been in a church before. And I sat down, and two things come out of my mouth. You are not just here to pray for a prayer. You are not just here for a prayer meeting and to pray, but you are here to encounter God. And the dream ended, and the presence of God came. And I wasn't the same for the rest of the day. And, and God doesn't give you these things when it's convenient because I had five grandchildren come into my house to see overnight. I mean, I had to prepare, and I get that dream, but that dream was in my spirit, and it wasn't just a dream, but it was his presence. And I believe that God is going to have people encounter him. And when we encounter him, we're transformed, and we're not the same, and we get hungry because it's not religion. Amen. So I'm going to share a little, some scriptures the Lord put on my heart. Um, and the first one is from Habakkuk. And I just want to give a little bit of a background um, in the first chapter because it sounds like kind of what we're going through in our nation today. Um, Habakkuk was facing the same thing in his nation, the nation of Israel. The enemy was coming in. Evil men were in control. The wicked were surrounding the righteous. There was violence. There was strife. There was contention. And the law became powerless. He had a sense of justice. He was a man who loved his nation. He loved his people. And he would not ignore the unrighteousness around him. He didn't want to see his nation lost. He starts to question God. A little bit of doubt, but you know, here's the thing about, I love about Habakkuk, because he's questioning, he's going to God, he's not going away from God. He's going towards him and asking questions. He's doing it really from faith, not a lack of faith, because when you doubt and you walk away, that's a lack of faith. But when you're in a if you had a question and you want to get an answer and you're willing to go to God, he might give you that answer. He might answer that question. But Habakkuk was willing to wait and he's crying out to God, what are you doing in the midst of it all? Do you care about us? There's violence everywhere. He's scared. He's fearful. And so he begins to ask God these questions. Sometimes we ask God questions because we feel defeated and we don't understand what's going on around us. We don't understand the circumstances. We don't understand why our prayers didn't get answered. God's not afraid of any of those questions. God is not afraid. He only wants a face-to-face -face relationship with every one of us. And a face-to-face -face relationship will go. I hear so many people say, well, God knows my situation. Well, did you ask? Did you ask him? No, he already knows about it. You've doubted and you've walked away. 
you need to come face to face. That's a real relationship. That's cultivating a relationship. That's going someplace with God and trusting he will give an answer because he is God. And so those, so those questions come and he, he's asking the Lord and he might not have even expected an answer right away because sometimes I ask things and I don't expect an answer. But the times that he did, it can make me fall off my feet. Okay, so the Lord, now he answers him and he says, look among the nations and be utterly astounded for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe. And that sounds really good, but he was sending in the enemies. Yeah, okay, but you know what? In the midst of it, he was going to work. In the midst, he said the Chaldeans, the, the worst army in the world's coming in. And um, that army, he said, is going to, they, they, they are credited to nobody. They answer to nobody. They do whatever they want. They have no accountability. But you know, here's what's unique about this whole thing. It's that God spoke. It's that God spoke. He wasn't changing the situation. He wasn't changing the circumstances. No, the virus didn't completely go away yet. Yeah, we have some riots and things, but God's working in the midst of it. Amen. And he worked in Habakkuk. Now, when Habakkuk gets this word, you know what? He trembles. He can hardly stand when he gets all the strength goes out of his body because God has spoken to him. God gave him a word and it set him into a new position. It set him up for to be confident. God had spoken to him about his generation. God had spoken to him about his people, about the circumstance. He laid out the plan. He laid it all out and he spoke to Habakkuk. And when God speaks, he's going to do something. When God speaks, it's going to change your life. It's going to put you into another position. It's going to shift everything around you. In fact, nobody really, and you won't even be aware of anybody around you, only be aware of him because he spoke and he wants to still speak to us because the enemy wants to come in with defeat. He wants to come in with discouragement. He wants to come in with confusion. And guess what? Habakkuk had it all. He had it all, but he went to God and God spoke and it changed him. And put my glasses back on. And then, um, and so he says, I will work a work which you will not believe. Jeremiah 33. In the prison, God says, call Jeremiah. Let me just give a little background. Jeremiah's um, Israel was under siege. Jerusalem was under siege. The enemy had come in. They were burning the houses. They were burning the city. Jeremiah, they're sick of all his messages, this prophet, this troubler. They throw him into the prison and everything looks like it's lost. Everything. The prayers weren't being answered anymore. Where's my answer, God? Where's the, where is it? Where is it? He's sitting in the prison. He's probably sulking. He's probably a little depressed, wondering what, hap what happened. And God says to Jeremiah in the prison, Call to me, and I will show you. I will show you great and mighty things. We should never give up 
we shouldn't, I don't care if your prayer's 15 years, 30 years, never give up. He is God. He can, in fact, I think he really likes to work in bad situations. When it's already been said and done, when it's, it, the fate is sealed, it looks like it's over, boom, now he comes in. Because when we are weak, he is strong. The enemy's weapons won't work anymore. When God speaks, all the confusion goes, all of it. He delights in us. Okay, so just by God speaking to Habakkuk, it strengthens him. It put him now in a new position. Chapter 2. You want to put that up there? That um, I think I have chapter 2, the first three verses. And I'll read them. Okay. He says, I will stand my watch. I will set myself on the rampart. And watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and he said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. And at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because he, it will surely come and it will not tarry. I might go back to that in a few minutes. Um, he was known as the tarrying prophet, the waiting prophet. He was known for that. You know, every um, prophet in the Old Testament was an intercessor. Every prophet stood for their nation, cried out for their nation. Ezekiel 22:30. Ezekiel says, I looked for a man to make up the hedge, build the wall, but I found none. Jesus. He didn't find any. That I would not destroy the nation. He needs us. Yeah. He needs an army. Yeah. He needs us all. And um, so every prophet, Nehemiah, um, went in, wept over his nation, went in to rebuild the nation, asked the king. He was the cupbearer. They drank from the same cup. King, my nation's burning. The king has favor. He goes in to build his nation. But this is what Habakkuk says. I will stand my watch. I will set myself on the rampart. And the rampart, I looked it up. It means, I thought it was just a ramp, just a fancy word in the Bible for a ramp, but it's not. It actually is a ramp that's up high, encircles a castle or a fortress. And he said, I'm going to set myself. Look at how it goes around. It goes around. It's not just one little ramp. It goes around. God's setting people up all around the nation. God is setting us up to be a part of what he's doing. And it encircles to protect it. That's what it does. It protects it. And it's prayer that will protect us from the enemy's plans. Isaiah 62, 6 he says, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night and give him no rest till he establishes, till he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Watchmen. 
They focus on developments in the city, the nation, and the development of the body of Christ. It's for everything. There was, a, um, there was a prayer movement started in the 1700s, and it was started in Moravia by the Moravians. It lasted for 100 years. And they, they built their whole prayer meeting on that one verse. Watch, the watchman. Oh, Jerusalem, I've set watchmen. They built their whole prayer meeting on that one verse. They started a 24-7 prayer meeting on that one verse, and they positioned themselves around as a watchtower over that nation and over the nations. And God blessed them. God blessed them. And, and they had a lot of problems. They had a lot of difficulties in that um, time. But they pressed through, and they didn't back down, and they didn't give up. There was, there was fighting with some of them. There was trouble sometimes, but they never backed down and they never gave up. And that lasted for 100 years. They stayed faithful. It's he who endures is going to get the crown. And so he says, I will watch to see what he will say to me. I'm going to come back to this um, scripture. I'm going to go into the, a little bit of the next part of what I wanted to share with you, um, and it's about what's taken place in Washington. And um, I believe that this is our watchword. He stood his watch, but we, I believe, have a watchword, and it's Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Yeah. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. I just want to say that um, this is such a powerful verse for me right now. During the um, shutdown, I think I heard the Lord like a still small voice, not even when I was praying, maybe just doing things. Examine your heart. We were shut in for a reason. And I believe we were shut in to draw close to him. I believe he's, he's brought us to a, um, a consecration, a new consecration, a consecration that draws us. Everything's fading now. What do we have? We have the Lord. We have the Lord. We have him. He's eternal. He's forever. What are we going to do with him? Well, he has invited us all to be a part of a national and global day of prayer and repentance, and it's called the return. Many will gather in our nation's capital on September 26th, 40 days before the election, repenting for the sins of our nation. Our nation is being torn apart with civil unrest, abortion, racial tension, and our foundations are being compromised. I just want to say, add in there, um, some church persecution is going on in California. California was in my spirit last week. Kept hearing California. I know they need prayer. And then I heard a woman um, from California, because I do this prayer call, this 24-7 prayer call, which people from around the nation can pray for our nation. And she said... Um, the churches, and you guys all hear it, I'm sure, on the news, they're being fined. Yeah, yeah. 
even when they gather on the beach, they're being fined. But this one particular church, and you may know the pastor, his name is Cheyenne, and I think it's a quite a large church. Not only did they find the church, they find the people. They find the people. And so we are facing an enemy like we've never known before. And so, so our nation is experiencing the, um, the unrest being pulled apart. And we have abortion. Tension in our foundations are being um, we have te racial tension, I'm sorry, and our foundations are being compromised. And for ourselves, God is calling us all back to the fire of his love, our first love, that he wants to cut away things in us that will harm us eternally. Things, you know, one of the things I loved about Habakkuk here is that he says, I will stand my watch and I will see what he will say to me when I, and what he will correct. Let me just read that really quick. See what he will say and what I will answer when I'm corrected. What I will answer. So he was open now to be corrected. He was open now to say, God, you can do whatever you want. I'm yours. I'm fully in. I'm fully engaged. Do whatever you want, God. Now I've laid my life down. I'm not questioning. I'm done with the doubts. I'm done with the fears. That was a good word, Jamie. That I'm done with it all. I felt like, Jamie, you, you were reading my mind. I'm done with it all. I'm yours, God. Yeah. I'll be corrected. It's okay. You know, repentance is not something we should fear, but we should embrace it. We should embrace it because he loves us enough to correct us. And Habakkuk, his name means embrace. God embraced Habakkuk. He didn't drive him away. He embraced him. And Habakkuk was going to embrace others. And when we're embraced by God, we embrace others. We're ready to strengthen others. We're ready to embrace others. You know what? God is not afraid of the lukewarm. He's not afraid of the unsaved. And he's not afraid of the discouraged and the depressed. He's not afraid of any of it. He's not afraid. He just says, come. All of you, come. Come. I want you back. He's got a sword. And the sword will cut some things off. But you know what? It is the most beautiful sword. It's the most beautiful sword. It's not a sword to push you away. It's to draw you close, to cut some things off of you that maybe he's not happy with. Yeah. They may not help you. They may hurt you. It is called sin. And we all have to deal with it. We all have to deal with it. He embraced the cross for us. He embraced it. And he fought a little bit. He had to travail a little bit in that gar garden. He didn't even have what he needed by having all the um, disciples, the apostles, to pray for him because they were falling asleep. He didn't even have it all. He kept coming back, can you pray with me? Can you pray with me? They were falling asleep. It's over. I broke through. He said, it's over. Sleep on. 
I broke through. I did it myself. The guards are here. I broke through. He broke through. He prayed. He could have gave up. He could have gave. The angels could have came. He could have called. I mean, that's a temptation. That's a temptation. The angels could just whisk them away. How many times I want to run from things? He stayed. He endured. And when that time came for the cross, he embraced the cross. He, was in, he had already embraced it in the garden. He already knew. Thank you, Lord, for what you did for us. Okay, moving on a little bit. So that we would return to the fire of his love, allowing him to cut some things. Um, Habakkuk was one who listened. Jeremiah 6, 16, we need to, this gathering in um, Washington um, is not going to be, there's going to be no superstar. It was um, Jonathan Kahn um, who had a vision for it, but didn't keep it for himself and called everybody in on it. He wasn't the only one. He was one of the ones. He had it last January. And um, now there's no name put to it, no name that this person's having it because there's going to be no name. It's going to be God. It's going to be his name. And that's all it's going to be And because um, God's calling us back. And we're, what a time we see the news will put on everybody making their voices known. That's a, just a really small narrative. Yep. You know, that really is not the whole picture. No. So it is time for us to rise up. It is time for us to take a stand. It is time for us to gather together. It is time for us. He says, arise and shine in Isaiah 60. Arise and shine for the glory of God is coming and it's going to be seen on you. But he said, in gross darkness. It's gross darkness. The light is coming on us. So the voices are going to be raised. And I may not be able to be in Washington, and I don't know about if you would be able to. It's September 26th, 40 days before the election. And I don't know if we can all be in that, but you know what? We can be in our homes. We could gather in groups. There will be possibly a simulcast. I hear some of, some of one church may have a simulcast. Um, if you want more information, you can see me another time. And um, so we can pray. As much as he sees the masses, he sees the one crying out. Sometimes these prophets were all by themselves crying out. And we can cry out by ourselves. We can mark the day. We can start now. We can make it a season of repentance. We are not afraid of coming before God and um, telling him, we need to turn back to you. Our country needs to turn back to you. We all need to come back to you. God have mercy on us. I heard this, um, someone shared this the other day, that there's a word coming out that holiness, it's not a word we hear too much, but holiness is becoming, somebody's prophesying this, holiness is becoming fashionable. Amen. It's becoming fashionable. Amen. We're not losing, we're winning. We're not going down, we're going up. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the way and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest. He's calling us. 
to posture ourselves in humility before him and one another in unity and love. He's not condemning us. He's embracing us. He's not judging. He's calling. He's calling. He's calling everybody. You know, the kingdom, you shared the verse, the kingdom suffers violence. The violent are taking it by force. We need to be violent against our own sin, violent against the sins of our nation, and come. His, the violence um, is like a warfare. We're not going to let it go. We're going to fight. We're going to stand. We're going to believe. Um, Habakkuk says in chapter 2, I think it's verse 4. I'm not looking at my Bible, but I think it's 4. He says, the just shall live by faith. Faith is believing. It's breathing. It's alive. It gives us life. And it, and it, and it believes for what we haven't yet seen. Yeah. Romans 4.17, Abraham, he was calling things forth that he hadn't yet seen. He was believing for what, it, what looked impossible. What looked impossible? Okay, I just want to go back a little bit here to um, the last part of those verses in Habakkuk. He says, write the vision. He's standing, okay, Habakkuk is standing strong with confidence. He's focused. The, the fear, the worry, the discouragement, the distraction, they couldn't touch him anymore. Now he's got faith. He's got faith because God spoke to him. He's got faith because he believes what God is going to do. He believes in a miracle that he hasn't yet seen, and he, may, he doesn't even know when he's going to see it because he tells them the army's coming in. The, the Chaldeans are going to take over. He doesn't know when he's going to see it, but now he trusts in God. He rises up to his high ground. He rises up to the high place. He's got confidence. Yeah. He's got confidence now. He's focused. And I want to say one thing about focused. Um, all the weapons of our warfare, and there is really, you shared it last week, the weapons are really, um, right now, we need those weapons. Yeah. We need to wear that armor. Yeah. We need to be covered. And um, that's kind of been going around. Everybody's been speaking it. That's just a, a real, um, right now, now word. But I know that there's other weapons. They're God's weapons also, and it's our focus. What are we looking at? Are we focused? Are we focused on him? Or are we focused on the news? What, what voices are we listening to? What fight? What battle have we chosen? What battle? Our battle is to posture ourselves in humility and cry out to him. If we're going to fight people on opinion... It's the wrong battle. It yeah. brings separation. It yeah. brings division. Yeah. It cuts people up. Yeah. It drives them away. It's just, it's not the place God's called us. It's not our posture. Yeah. It's not the posture of the body of Christ. Mm. Come on. Come on. Come on. It distracts us from yes. what God's doing. Yes. 
That's all it does is distract us. He says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. We don't know what that time is. He doesn't have to tell us everything. He just tells us to go pray. He just tells us to seek him with all of our heart. We win by getting more of him. We get more of him, we win. We get more of his presence, we win. We win the battle in the end. But we do want to rise up. And we do want to make our, our voices known. We do want to be aware of what's going on in the earth and what God is calling at this particular time. You know, Habakkuk was in, they were in judgment. They were being, his nation was being shaken. And Habakkuk, until he heard from God, he was pretty shaken himself. And we are experiencing shaken. We've never seen some of the stuff we see right now. We are experiencing that. But you know what? Even in the midst of the shaking, God is moving. Even in the midst of judgment, we can have revival. We can have judgment and revival at the same time. We can come away revived while everything's being judged. The church can rise up and the church can have the voice. Well, you know what? We just might even come to that place, that time when um, in 3 John, they will know us by our love for one another. They might even look and say, what do you got? We need it. What have they got? How come... I mean, you walk around. I mean, we got to be covered with these nests and everybody's like got this fearful look because the enemy has unleashed fear on this nation. He's unleashed a spirit. That is a spirit of fear. And I'm not bowing down to that spirit. I'm not bowing down to that spirit. And we're not called to bow down to that spirit. And you know what? Habakkuk didn't ignore what was happening in his nation and we can't ignore what's happening in our nation. He did not ignore that. He, he, he cried out, God, what's going on? And some people, they're just ignoring it and just going on like nothing's happened. Just wear the mask, do what they tell us, status quo. Well, violence, and he's called um, us back to that violent warfare. That's not status quo. We're going to make a difference. We're going to shift the ground. Yeah, and the mountains will come down. When I named the um, message, this is a move. I, I have no, seriously, I have zero creativity. <laughs> I do. I, I just took it from a song. Good song. <laughs> Good song. Yeah, if you had listened to it, Tasha Cobbs, Leonard, she really, it's more like a prayer. And she starts out saying, we need a move. Yeah. And she ends up saying, this is a move. And I believe this is a move. I believe we're in a move. We may not even seen it all yet, but we are in a move. We are in a move. Amen. I believe it. We're in a move. Now Habakkuk rises up. He's got confidence. He's ready to run. God says, take the vision. You don't know when it's coming, but run with it. We already have the message. We know the Lord. We have the gospel. Just want to share um, one more scripture and I'll be done. And I think I, um, I don't want this to fall out. Okay. Um, 
Isaiah 40. I'm going to read. I, I think I had, I gave the scriptures um, to put up there. I might read one extra in the middle that I did leave out. Before every revival, let me just say this, before every revival, there has to be people praying. There has to be intercessors in place. Um, One short little story, probably in the 1800s. Um, In Troy, there's a, um, it's the Headley building now on River Street, but it was Cluett and Peabody. And it was a shirt factory, and that's why they call us in Troy the Collar City. And um, there was a revivalist. Um, the, the shirt factory, they made shirts, they made neckties, and it was many, many floors, machines on every floor. Employed a lot of people in the city. In fact, my grandmother worked there. And um, so there's a revivalist. His name is Charles Finney. And the one thing about Charles Finney is that before he ever started his, what he called his campaign, which was to go to different cities to preach the gospel. He wouldn't do it unless he had an intercessor. He wouldn't do it. And um, the man that he found, his name was Father Nash. They called him Father Nash. He was a pastor in Syracuse, New York. He was about maybe 44, 43, 44, somewhere in in there. And I guess he was a very powerful preacher, but the church threw him out because they said he was too, too old. And, and he, got, he got very, very hurt. Yeah, they said he was too old. They wanted somebody younger. <laughs> and so he, um, he got thrown out, and he got very um, hurt, and he, um, oh, he went into a, such a deep, deep depression. And he, um, he went to hear Finney speak about what he was going to do, but he was in such a bad state. Finney looked at him, and he said, I don't know what's wrong with that guy. Then he came back, they had another meeting, had all these people, and God had visited this man in such a very powerful way that Finney, now he was restored, and Finney chose him to be his intercessor. You see, God had a plan all along. He had a plan all along, and he did go back to the church many times and preach, and a lot of people wouldn't do that, but he did. And he was the intercessor that Finney would send into an area before he got there. And he sent him in to Troy, New York, River Street. And he, he got a room in an apartment or a, a building, a rooming house back then. You would just rent a room maybe for a couple of weeks or a month. You could get meals, but he said no meals. He came with a friend. He had somebody, another intercessor with him. And the lady in the house said the groans and the sounds that came out of that room, we were ready to call the ambulance. We were ready to call the police. We didn't know what was going on. They weren't eating. We figured they're sick. We didn't know what to do because they were praying and they were groaning over this land and they were interceding that the ground was going to soften. And Finney comes in, and this is true, it was all prepared for him to come in, although he didn't have anything good to say about Troy. But we're still here. <laughs> and um, he comes in and he walks in the door. That's it. That's it. It's over. Every machine shut down. 
and weeping from the top floor to the bottom. People don't even know why they're weeping. He walked in the door. They're weeping and weeping. Oh, you could hear the machines, they said, shutting down. Shutting down. The machines don't shut down in the middle of the day. They're shutting down. He walked in the door. He's going to preach the gospel message. That's, that's, that's so powerful. I, I believe there's some dimensions. Pastor Matt, you mentioned the word dimension, and I saw something even while I was standing there. There's some new dimensions for some people in here. There's some new places. There's some new positions. There's some new dimensions. God's got more and more. We don't even realize it. We don't want to be religious and just come to church. We want to seek him with all of our heart and see what he's got for us. We might be preaching on the street. Who knows what could happen? Okay, my last scripture. The voice, there's always a voice crying out. Um, the voice of one crying, this would have been John the Baptist, although it's from the Old Testament, the prophetic word. He said, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. I'm going to read 6, 7. I'm going to go down a little bit. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. The people are like grass, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. We've experienced some fading. We've experienced some withering. We saw things wither. We saw the economy begin to wither. We saw that God did something. Things began to wither. But the word of our God, it stands forever. O Zion, verse 9, 10 and 11. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up to the high mountain. O Jerusalem, Habakkuk went up to his high place. He raises his voice. He's standing on his watch. He's ready. He's prepared. Whatever God's going to say, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Habakkuk became strong. He's going to, you know, I got to just stop right there for one second and say, when I was praying, and I just thought of this, when I was praying on Wednesday morning, I felt strength come right up through me. And I know that strength is for everybody. That's not just for me. That hunger you experience, that's for somebody else. That's not just for us. That embrace, when he embraced Habakkuk, that's not just for him. That's for somebody else to be embraced. I felt that strength. I feel like people are a little weak, but God's going to come. And he's going to strengthen you. He's going to establish your feet. He's going to do it. He's going to strengthen us to pray and stand. You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities, we're not going to be afraid of that enemy. We're lifting our voices. That's right. We're not, we're not backing down, and we're not bowing down to him. Say to the city of Judah, behold, 
your God. We want to say it to our cities. We want to say it to our state, New York State. Behold your God. We're not bowing to the gods of the government. We're bowing to our God. We're standing for our God. Hallelujah. He is the true judge. He is the true king. He is the one who overcomes. Behold, he will come with a strong hand. His arm shall rule him. His reward is with him and his work before him. And he will feed his flock like a shepherd. Gather his lambs in his arms to carry them in his bosom and gently lead them to the young. He wants to embrace us. He is our champion. He is our God. He's calling us. So I'm challenging you. 15 minutes. If you can get up a little early. Pray. If you can gather, pray in your homes with your families on September 26. Be aware of what is happening in our nation. Put it on your calendar. Pray that day. Seek his face like never before. I've, it's my granddaughter's birthday. She was at my house a couple weeks ago. I get up to do this prayer call at 6 o'clock in the morning. She gets up with me. She hears me tell, making this announcement. September 26th. And she, I, get, I get off, I see her coming in the room and I get off the phone and she says, Grammy, that's my birthday. I know it's your birthday, but your birthday can wait. Your birthday can wait. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> I told my husband, it's Nora's birthday. He said, let her wait. Let him do it another day. And <laughs> come on, that's right. That's right. And so we're going to be gathering. We're going to be aware. We're going to be mindful. This is not going to, this is going to be a holy day. But you know, he says in um, Nehemiah, they were in the midst of a battle. And sometimes it looked like they were losing and that enemy was winning. Nehemiah said, this is not a day of mourning. This is a day of rejoicing. This is a day of rejoicing. At the end of Habakkuk, he rejoices. He hadn't seen any change yet in his circumstances. He hadn't seen that the enemy was backing off yet, but he said he was going to rejoice. He said, though the fig tree shall not blossom, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. He was also a worshiper. He was armed with worship. He led in the temple worship. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. It is time to take our stand, to um, repent and rejoice and allow God to embrace us. Amen. Thank you for listening. Bless you.